Happy New Year. This is Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger, and this is the program for you as a family caregiver. More than 65 million Americans are serving as a caregiver. And as we go through the holiday season, that's when we often go home and we see family members or connect with family members and see things that we may not have been noticing throughout the year. So the population of caregivers may have just grown a little bit more as you've gone through this holiday season with your family members and you're not sure what to do. You're in the right place. Hope for the Caregiver is the conviction that we as family caregivers can live a calmer, healthier, and dare I say it, a more joyful life, even while dealing with often very difficult circumstances. Everything in this program is designed to help strengthen the family caregiver, to help you stay strong and healthy as you take care of someone who is not. And most people, when they think of caregivers, they think of nursing homes. But that is the farthest thing from my life, and I've been doing this now for more than 35 years. Caring for my wife through a medical nightmare that has now exceeded 80 operations that I can count, and 100 doctors have treated her over over these decades uh, since her terrible car accident. And she lives with significant pain and disability. But nursing homes are not even in the equation for us. And I know so many others who are caregiving for a special needs child, a, a family member who deals with the aftermath of a stroke, somebody who is dealing with autism, somebody who's dealing with alcoholism or addiction. These are all chronic impairments, and wherever you find a chronic impairment, you're going to find a caregiver. It's just that simple. How do you help the caregiver? What happens to the caregiver through this journey? How does the stress affect them? What is their decision-making like? All of these things factor into the person who is providing unpaid care, often way beyond our training, to a vulnerable loved one. And we are all that stands between that loved one and even worse disaster. If something happens to me, my wife's life gets extremely difficult. And it's already brutal. If something happens to you, what happens to your loved one? And I'm also equally convinced that we as caregivers struggle in the heart first and primarily. By that I mean the issues that we deal with as caregivers on a core level are common to the human condition, but we just deal with them in a relentless, often unmerciful way where we are forced to deal with the fear and the despair and the resentment and the anger and the heartache and the guilt and the obligation and all of these things that every human being deals with, we just deal with it on a nuclear level. And it's compressed into a matter of hours instead of weeks, months, or even years. Of course, we have to do medical tasks and logistics tasks involving our loved one. And a lot of physical things that we must do. A lot of cooking, cleaning, laundry, running errands, and so forth. But those are things that are learned and not forgotten. I don't have to spend a lot of time researching on how to do the laundry every time. I know how to do that. It's a pain, but I, I know how to do it. The things that we struggle with are those things that keep us awake at night. 
that that cause us to sink, our hearts to to shake and to quiver, that we feel rage and we we clench our fists, that we lose our cool, that we become angry or despairing. All of these things are what troubles the caregiver every single day, relentlessly. And if we don't have something to reorient our thinking, to shore us up, to point us to safety, to land on, then we easily get plowed under by the challenges and the demands that we have as caregivers. And so that's what this show is all about. I want to start off with a scripture since it's the new year, and I want to start off with a scripture that I think you, you may find meaningful. It's Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Now, I'm going to read it first in the New American Standard. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Now, let me read it to you from the message. Sometimes it's a little easier to understand if you read it in several different translations and so forth, or paraphrases. In this case, it's a paraphrase. But here's what the message says. Same verse, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badland. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great verse for us as caregivers to hang on to, to start this year with? You know, there's an old quote I like, um, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing for where we are, but don't, don't live the same year over and over and call that a life. You know, it may feel like that movie Groundhog Day, but it's not. We are not doomed to that. We can have life right now and do things that are creative, exciting, inspiring, moving, joyful. All those things are available to us. And that's what I would like to start off my year with as a caregiver, and for you as well. There's an old hymn that was written in the 1500s, and it was set to a tune, set to several tunes. And one of them, probably the most familiar tune that it was set to, was Elicom. And you may have heard that at Palm Sunday when you hear that song, Hosanna, loud Hosanna, sing. You know that one? This text was set to that tune but listen to these lyrics the year is gone beyond recall with all its hopes and fears with all its bright and gladdening smiles with all its mourners tears thy thankful people praise thee lord for countless gifts received and pray for grace to keep the faith which saints of old believe now check out this First, see if this is not applicable to where we are as a nation, as a world. To thee we come, O gracious Lord, the newborn year to bless. Defend our land from pestilence. Give peace and plenteousness. Forgive this nation's many sins, the growth of vice. Restrain and help us all with sin to strive and crowns of life to gain. Isn't that a great text for us as caregivers to hang on to? Think about what's going on with the, the COVID, the Delta, the uh, Omicron, or whatever's coming next. I'm sure they'll think of something next. But needless to say, pestilence has been on the mind of a lot of people. 
And here's this hymn that was written so many hundreds of years ago. I think this text was written like in 1500. Well, they really understood pestilence back then too. And I love this. Defend our land from pestilence, give peace and plenteousness. But the, the, the hymn writer goes on to say, forgive this nation's many sins. The growth of vice, restrain. Restrain that growth of vice because you can see it in our culture right now. And help us all with sin to strive and crowns of life to gain. Do you see how this elevates our eyes to see beyond just our own immediate circumstances that we can see the bigger picture? And that bigger picture helps us endure as family caregivers in the midst of sometimes a very dark and lonely road. We've got a lot to cover today. I've got some very special guests that will be with us to share their insights of of what they've learned along this way. All of this is done to help equip you to stay firm and healthy and strong and to keep a perspective when it's so easy to get blown off course. We'll be right back with Shannon Bream of Fox News, and there's more to come. Hope for the Caregiver, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We're so glad that you're with us. Go out and check out our podcast. We have over 600 episodes that are free to download. Please take advantage of these. There's no need for you to go through this all by yourself. For so many years, for decades, I had to forage and try to figure these things out on my own. Nobody knew really what to say to me. But now I've aggregated a lifetime of this to be able to offer a lifeline to you as a fellow caregiver. So take advantage of it. Hopefullycaregiver.com will be right back. I've been an advocate for biblically responsible investing for many, many years, 30 years, because I'm an advocate for permanent income. This is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. I remember having two sisters that had trust funds that I managed. They were family trust. They were the third generation. They were in their 80s. They had more money than you could shake a stick at. They didn't want for anything. And even them, at one point in time, said to me, do we have enough income to pay our bills, our electric bill? That's all they cared about. I'm telling you, you're going to get to that point. So it's not an investment. It's a gift. It's permanent income. Find out about charitable gift annuities when you call 800-326-4543, extension 345. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or by visiting afafoundation.net. Hey, I'm Chris Tomlin. No matter how trapped you might feel by drug or alcohol addictions, there is a way to break free and find a new life in Jesus Christ. I dove into a six-year addiction to alcohol. I've had two DUIs, and I spent two nights in jail, and I said I would never drink again, but the substance had a hold on me. My family held an intervention and asked me to come to Teen Challenge. My relationship with Jesus Christ, like I had no idea that I could be new again. I had no idea that there were better things in Him for me. And there were so many broken places that are being healed. Adult and Teen Challenge helps people find freedom from addictions to drugs and alcohol. If you or a loved one is ready to experience a new life of freedom and hope, you can call toll-free at 1-855-END-ADDICTION or visit them online at teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. This is American Family Radio, a listener-supported ministry of the American Family Association. 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That's my wife, Gracie. And he does know the plans that he has for you. We're glad that you're with us. 65 million Americans right now are caring for a vulnerable loved one. And if that's where you are, then you're in the right place. I have a wonderful guest here today. I was on her program about a year and a half ago when Gracie first got COVID. Gracie was the first one in our county to get it. And since we live in such a remote area, I think most people thought we got it from an elk or a buffalo out here in Montana. But (laughs) this was uh, Shannon Bream. And Shannon is uh, the host of Fox News at Night, and she's also the Supreme Court correspondent for Fox News. And you know her. You've seen her. She's also the author of several books, including the recently published The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today, which reached the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list. And we are glad to have you with us. Shannon, before we get into anything else, I got to tell you, the world is crazy right now, and you report the craziness. So how are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a friend um, about when you have a, a hope in something greater than you and, and feeling like good is ultimately, you know, going to triumph over evil, that if you can keep an eternal perspective, it really helps you in the day-to-day uh, and in the news business. I, I think it's helpful and important. Indeed. And I, I've been watching what's unfolding right now, and particularly with things going on with the Supreme Court and so forth. So I know that you are highly engaged, but as Interesting as all that is, and it is, the reason I had you on this program today is because you and your husband had your own journey through this, and I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go into kind of what were the ramifications in your life, your faith, Mm -hmm. and so forth. Sure. Well, you know, we were young kids, um, newly engaged um, when he became sick, and and for months just thought it was sort of a ear infection, an earache, um, trouble with his hearing, a ringing in his ear, all kinds of things. And um, months into it, he eventually, um, you know, the doctor said, well, there's one more thing we need to rule out because nothing was improving. And so they decided to test him, do a sound wave test for a brain tumor. And it turned out that's what it was, which was shocking, I think, to everybody because he was, you know, a college athlete and um, strong and healthy, uh, we thought, in every way. Um, And other than the trouble with his hearing, really no clues that there was something much more um, important that was going on. And so, you know, as a couple of 24-year-olds who are planning their wedding, um, it was a big wake-up. And I think for him, um, very difficult as a young man um, to have to face something um, that was that um, momentous in your life and at that young point. And it really does shift your focus. And uh, the the truth is, through that journey, we learned a lot about each other, about ourselves, about our faith. Our families were amazing. Um, and over the years of, of now being married, um, he's actually been caregiver for me too, so um, through my own il- illness. So um, we've had a little bit of experience on both sides of this and, um, you know, hope to be an encouragement that there is a way through. Well, you yes, you had some issues with your eyes, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, it took me a couple of years um, for folks out there who've had to fight for a diagnosis. Um, it can be really, obviously, frustrating to go through that process. And what I, two years in, eventually found out is that um, the constant chronic pain that I was living in was I've got a genetic condition in which my corneas were constantly tearing and scarring the tissue over and over again, day after day. And so once I got to a doctor who could help me begin to unpack that and and help put me back together, um, I finally was back on the road to hope. But during those two years, got to a very dark place. And really, my husband was the only person 
who was a witness um, to the worst of it. And you know, as a, as a spousal caregiver, I mean, um, you alone can kind of know the depth of what your spouse is suffering and what they're going through. And so, um, you know, I couldn't have made it without him, truthfully. You, you mentioned your faith, and I know this is important to you. And I, I remember when I was doing the interview on your show and I referenced something in Romans and I watched, and you had me, I, I don't know who, who put that together, the guy that was on the split screen with me who also had COVID. I'm not sure if you ever go back and look at that, because I went back and looked a while back. I'm not sure he even knew where he was. He was. Oh, he was, I don't remember was, who it was. was. Uh, no, I, I don't think he remembered who he was or where he Uh-oh. was. Oh, <laughs> I'll have to go and back I, and watch I, it. I was, uh, well, I was being my normal goofy self, which, you know, I mean, Grace and I have lived through so much uh, heartache and challenges and, and you, you mm-hmm. just learn to kind of, sometimes you just have to just go with it. But this, this mm-hmm. poor fellow, he, it was really funny. But when I said, I mentioned something in Romans and your face just lit up on, on camera. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, and, and most people that know who you are know that your faith is very important to you. How did that change when you, you were faced first with shelter things, then you, then you guys went and got married and you, you know, the, mm-hmm. you took the vows of sickness and in health and mm-hmm. those things got real um, real, real at that point, uh, when you're taking those kind of vows after you've gone through mm-hmm. brain tumor stuff, then you go through the stuff with your eyes. Where did your faith go? What happened? What, what transformed in that? You know what? I think in both of those really tough circumstances, for both of us, it grew and, and we learned a lot about the body of Christ too. You know, there would be people who would reach out or send a note and say, we're praying for you. We heard about your story. And to feel that, you know, complete strangers are kind of sharing the burden with you, or at least trying to lift it from you and intercede for you is an amazing thing. I think, unfortunately, um, listen, I I felt very blessed that I grew up in a a faith-filled home. My husband did too, where we were constantly exposed to scripture and um, prayer and being in church and being in relationship with Christ. So we had that foundation, which I'm so grateful for. But I think when you go through these things that really rattle the foundations of everything um, in your life that you're kind of relying on and um, enjoying, it, 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 it takes you to a different level of maturity. At least for me, it's forced me to be much more reliant on God. I don't like the idea of being vulnerable or of having to lean on Him, but that's what He asks us to do, to lay our, all our burdens on Him, to come to Him in prayer. Um, and through that, I developed a, a closeness and a maturity spiritually that I don't think if life was all mountaintops, I would have had that same growth. I just, I want to think that I would, but I think the truth is that you know through the suffering is where you often learn the most. Well, C.S. Lewis says it's God's megaphone. And um, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's all, more often than not how he reveals himself to us is through cutting away those things. And and it sounds mm-hmm. like you guys have been through that journey. You you wrote this book that is an extraordinary book. Went to New York Times number one bestseller. I wanted to talk one, one little segment of it, if you don't mind. So many of the listeners uh, of this program they really understand lengthy journeys. Uh, Gracie has been struggling for nearly forty years with hers. And in your book, you discuss the woman who wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Mm-hmm. And obviously that really connected with you. It's in three of the four Gospels. It really connected with you. Talk about mm-hmm. that and why you wrote about it. I love that story so much for so many different reasons. And the fact is, when, when Jesus encounters this woman, what we t- know about her from the Gospels is she was at the end of her rope. I mean, she had spent every penny she had going to every doctor or expert of that time 
to get help with this issue of bleeding that she'd had for more than a decade. And when we meet her, she's not only not healed, she's worse, and she has no money left. So I think about how despondent and how destitute she must have felt at times that no one was able to give her any hope. But she'd heard about Jesus, and there was something in her that recognized you know, his divinity and his ability to perform miracles. And she said to herself, I'm just going to get there, and if I can touch the hem of his garment, that is going to be enough to heal me. And what I found in writing the book is that during that time, she would have likely been considered unclean because of her bleeding issue. So um, she wouldn't have been allowed to be around other people or in the temple or in the markets or with crowds or anything. So she's breaking all of the norms to go and find Jesus. And when she meets him, he's actually on the way to the house of a religious leader whose daughter is dying. And the man is, please come with me. He falls down before Jesus. Despite what many of the religious leaders thought about him at the time, this man humbles himself and says, please come to my daughter. So as they're on their way to that, this woman doesn't, you know, ask anything, doesn't try to have a conversation with Jesus or to even touch him. She just touches the hem of his garment. We're told in the Gospels, immediately she was healed. She knew it. Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that some power had gone out from him in healing her. And knowing that he knows everything, I mean, he turns around and says, who touched me to one of his disciples? And I'm thinking the disciples probably almost halfway chuckling with him, like, hey, everybody's trying to touch you all the time. We're in this crowd. Um, But Jesus knew who it was, and she knew that he knew it was her. And we're told in all of the accounts that she falls before him trembling in fear because she knows she's not supposed to be there. She didn't ask permission for this healing or to reach out and touch even his garment And she confesses the whole story to him and and is there laying on the ground before him in fear. And in every account, the first thing that he says to her is daughter. I think that's so beautiful. He's telegraphing to her and to anybody who was there and knows her story, knows she shouldn't even be out of her home, that she's done the right thing, that breaking the norms was okay, that coming to him and reaching out to him was the right thing to do. And he says to her, your faith has made you whole. I mean, he gives her credit for the faith. It's clearly his divine power. But I just love that no matter what we're struggling with and no matter what the rules are or the norms are, it's always going to be the right thing to go to Christ. And he's always going to welcome us no matter our circumstances. We don't have to clean up our act and have everything together and be super, you know, solidly mature through our struggles. I mean, we can come to him in whatever state we're in, and he's going to see us that same way. You know, and that that is extraordinary. And this is something that so many of us in this journey of, of, like you said, you were trying to find a diagnosis. You could even find somebody to give you the right diagnosis. And with your husband, you know, we, well, we're going to try this. We're going to try this. So it really resonated mm-hmm. evidently with you. And so many of the listeners of this program are dealing with these things which just seem interminable and they just, or they know that when it does end, it's going to end in a pretty ugly place. And, and mm-hmm. that is a, that, that's a, a message of encouragement that I wanted people to be able to hear today uh, they hear me, but I wanted them to hear you, and I want to hear other people. I get, you know, they get tired of my voice. So, <laughs> I'm sure they don't. But I, but right. I mean, no, we all but, have different perspectives. Indeed, and and I, I got two more questions for you um, about some things. Uh, well, actually, three. First off, when you are bringing the news that you bring every night, and I, I usually catch you because I, I catch you right after Gutfeld, but I won't call you evil Shane <laughs> Green like he does. But I, I, what I, what I catch you on there, and you have, you know, you're, you're so vibrant, you're, 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 you're welcoming and everything else, and yet you're having to bring hard things to the American people when you do this. 
that, that must be incredibly difficult for you to do that. And we only got like 30 seconds left, but talk about how your faith sustains you through that again. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely those times and certainly COVID, I think, was one of those years for everybody. Um, but the fact is, you know, like I said, God wants us to lay our burdens. He says, cast your cares on me. Come to me in prayer and with thanksgiving. Make all your requests being made known to God. He wants to hear our burdens and bear them for us. And sometimes whatever job you do, I'm sure it becomes overwhelming. But God is in that, and he's got a purpose where he's got you. Amen. Well, thank you very much for that, Shannon. I'm sorry we just ran out of time. We'll have to do this again. I hope we can have you back on. But thank you so much. This is Shannon Bream. Her book is called The Women of the Bible Speak. And you can catch Shannon Bream every weeknight at 12 p.m. Eastern Time when she anchors Fox News at night. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial-strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver, and he will give you strength for everything you go through. That is my wife, Gracie, from her CD, Resilient. Go out to hopeforthecaregiver.com to see more of what she offers and her music and everything else that has kept her resilient through all of these years. I get to meet interesting people along the way here, and I... Got a, a recent message from a listener, and, and somebody reached out to me and told me their story, and I really wanted to have them on and just share, listen to their heart as they share with you things they've learned along the way as caregivers, as a husband and wife caregiver with a special needs son. Uh, Shelly Snitko and her husband, yeah. Chris, joined us. And they are, uh, we're glad to have you here, Shelly, and thank you for joining the show. I say special needs. That's not, a, that's not accurate. He's got... 
some significant disability issues, but it's a different diagnosis. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, it's a rare neuromuscular uh, disorder, movement disorder. And that started about when? When he was how old? He he was eight and a half. Both of the kids had gotten a strep infection, and his affected his central nervous system. And in the course of weeks, he lost the ability to walk, talk, use his hands, and had a lot of uh, muscle spasms that were interfering with things. So, yeah, it was pretty sudden. And, and your other son had strep as well, but no residual impact from that. It was He just got strep and got better. But this one did not. Yeah, and, yeah, and this and one did not. Right. Did they ever? Did you ever get a good reason why not? Uh, no, actually, um, we never really did. They call it a secondary form of the disease, meaning it's not a genetic defect, but it was a secondary thing, meaning the the strep actually, for whatever reason, was the catalyst that started this whole process going. Yeah, because he did have some hmm. trauma at birth where the cord was wrapped around his, his neck and he had a little bit of uh, oxygen deprivation. So they believe it may have been onset from there. And then when he turned eight and a half and got the, got the strep throat, that just triggered that dystonia. Hmm. That must have been a very, very difficult um, launch into this journey of caregiving that you guys had it because it's one thing to have something that you can you know, wrap your mind around and said, okay, I understand, you know, like in my case, Gracie had a car wreck. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things where it's, it's like a conundrum. You're trying to figure out what happened. And, and then you get to a point, I guess, where you just stop worrying about what happened and you just deal with what is, is that a fair assessment? It's very much a fair assessment. I know midway through, we spent six weeks at children's hospital back then up in, uh, we were living in Colorado at the time, and I can specifically remember the night where um, I just kind of laid in bed, kind of reaching out to God and crying out because we had been asking a lot of the why questions. And at that point, we still didn't have an actual diagnosis. We knew what it wasn't. It wasn't a brain tumor, um, and some, and he didn't have meningitis because all the spinal taps he had. But at that point, we still didn't know what. And we certainly didn't have a why. Um, But I do recall specifically going, okay, God, we don't have to know the what or the why. We just have to know that you're in this with us and that no matter what, we're going to be okay. And that that night I had a lot of peace. Um, So, yeah. I don't know, Chris, do you want to add anything to that? Well, I was going to say that prior to his, is uh, dystonia kicking in, God kind of just resurrected our marriage. We were separated for eight months, uh, about a year prior to AJ's onset of this dystonia, and uh, he reconciled our marriage and got us on a strong foundation prior to this um, occurring with our son. You know, that's extraordinary, Chris, because um, so many marriages crumble when there's a disability. Uh, I think the figures are almost 90% of marriages when there's a disability in the family. And Correct. this particular journey brought you two back together, and uh, that's a that's a an astonishing event that happened. Mm-hmm. And um, but no, I was I was struggling with I don't know why I don't know why I don't know why and I became comfortable saying okay I don't know why and it's okay. Now I think I'm becoming more comfortable saying I can't know why. 
I just don't have it in yeah. me to be mm-hmm. able to understand it, even if he told me. And and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not um, dissuaded by that. I mean, that doesn't cause me to kind of freak out or anything. It just realize, okay, God has a purpose and a plan in this, and I'm willing to trust Him. You guys are obviously in the same position. You're willing to trust Him with this. And yeah. what does that look like for both of you? I mean, Chris, what, let me start with you. What does that look like when you trust God in this? What does that look like for you? It just frees you up because if if we knew since he's been he's had this now for twenty six years, if God if God at that time when this the onset came on said you're gonna your son is gonna be um, uh, with this Estonia for the rest of his life at that time. If we would have been told that, we would have been kind of devastated. But God is so grateful because He only gives us enough to handle at the time. We had no idea how anything about Estonia. We didn't know how long it was going to last. We didn't know if it was temporary. We didn't know it was permanent. But just putting our faith in Him and, and trusting in Him, it just gave us peace because He only let us know enough that we could handle at that time. And and that was that was special. That was great. I think that's I think that's a sign of his mercy that he doesn't just it is his mercy. you know uh, share with these things with us, but he but he does assure us of his presence. One of the things that a friend of mine told me a long time ago that that, that word is a lamp unto my feet. He said it's not a searchlight. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and and I I spent so much time trying to peer into the future, and I realized that I, I this is this is where I am right here today. This is it, yeah. and and Scripture says that over and over. But I I didn't I didn't want to take that. But there's something about disability that forces you into that place. Is that a is that a fair assessment, Shelley? For you? Uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, it. Yeah, you're forced into it. It's right. It's an uninvited guest to the party called your life. Um, and so certainly, I am thankful actually that I had no idea what we are going to face. And quite honestly, nobody does, whether whether you deal with disability or you don't. None of us know what tomorrow holds. Um, but what we do know is that God's grace is sufficient and sustaining to meet us exactly where we're at. And that has been the discovery we've had over and over and over again throughout this entire journey is um, that is really where our peace comes from. And um, though it rocks our world, um, it doesn't rock his, and it didn't come as a surprise to him, even though, you know, through this, we've been gut-punched quite a bit. Um, uh, Nonetheless, because of his faithfulness, because of those early days, because of every step of the way leaning into him, um, it's why I think our marriage has been able to thrive um, why our family is thriving and growing and maturing, um, and really why AJ is doing as well as he is. Well, you've been doing this now for over a quarter of a century, and there's <laughs> something about the longevity and the relentlessness of this. It's not something that just kind of reached a plateau and, okay, we got we got it, we're good. No, it's 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 a relentless journey of challenges. But there's when you have that kind of longevity, it changes some things in you. And as you guys now are seeking to push out into other folks and help people along the way, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think it was probably pretty lonely for you guys. I, I know in my early years and for many of it, I was out there just kind of foraging 
and there wasn't anybody really knew what to say. You guys are now being those people that know what to say and what to offer to other parents, particularly going through these things, the couples that are, their marriages are, are frayed and disintegrating even. And you can come alongside with, with gentleness and quietness and confidence. And tell me a little bit about what you're doing with that, Shelly. Um, well, for me, one thing is, is, you know, we don't always do this, though we trust and rest in God's grace. Let's not kid ourselves. I have not been graceful in this journey as far as me managing all aspects of that. And what do I mean by that? You know, we, we live in a constant state of stress. Um, you know, we there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of things outside of our control. We've had a lot of disappointment. Um, a lot of things didn't work out the way we wanted them to. And as a result, we're humans. And so for me personally, that took its toll. I actually numbed and medicated uh, my emotions, those difficult things that I really didn't want to deal with because I was so busy caring for AJ and our family. Um, and I numbed it with and medicated it with food. And so over the course of time, um, what I once was able to control was outside of my control. So here I am, a strong woman of faith, resting in the Lord, spiritually strong and physically extremely weak because um, I was battling all the issues that go with carrying a lot of weight on my body. But most of that was emotional weight that just manifested itself with unhealthy eating habits. So for me, um, it was a journey, really a health journey of wholeness. And I believe that all caregivers, a lot of, at least my experience is with talking with people, is a lot of bad habits can develop over the course of time simply from coping. You talked about enduring and persevering. And the way I did a lot of that was self-indulgent in food. And so for me, getting physically healthy was really the biggest part of this journey. And out of that has kind of birthed a ministry uh, to other people. And because um, I don't think people realize that physically, when we're not fueling our body properly, um, we're really not, we don't have the bandwidth to show up to our day the way we want to. And that led itself to a lot of emotional frustration and bitterness because, like I said, I was numbing those difficult emotions and pushing them down. But what I wasn't realizing is as I was pushing down those difficult emotions um, and just pressing on, right, doing what I needed to do to care for AJ, I was just surviving the day. And I was pushing down all the good stuff, too. You know, I get that. I mean, they call it comfort food for a reason. And the stress that we deal with as caregivers uh, is screaming for relief. And so many caregivers gain weight. I mean, uh, uh, this is this is um, consistent with so many family caregivers. I, I'm, I mean, I got so big myself that I broke my family tree. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> my picture fell off the wall. Um, but it's uh, oh, that's we're going to talk some more. But we're talking with Chris and Shelly Snitko, and they are veteran caregivers. Been doing this for a long time, and they've got some wonderful things to say. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? 
I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it, it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on our fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at StandingWithHope.com. Here's Dr. Carl Truman from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. The early church fathers viewed the scriptures as divinely inspired. Often they would use the image of a musical instrument as if scripture had been written in the way that, say, notes come out of a flute when it's played by a flute player, as if the, the writer was the flute and the, the spirit was, was that which was creating the tune. Certainly they regarded scripture as authoritative. When you look at the writings of the Apostolic Fathers, they're very happy to quote scripture and consider that to have closed down the argument. So obviously the Apostolic Fathers rooted tremendous authority in the actual words of Scripture itself, which implies they had a very high view of its inspiration. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. He will be strong to deliver me safe, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. That is Gracie and Russ Taff. From Gracie CD, and that is, I love that song. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and here is a couple that we're talking with today that really gets this, and they've had to walk through these painful things. And I don't know that you can really embrace the joy of the Lord unless you've abandoned the things that you thought would bring you joy and grasp onto Him, and that usually is a pretty painful process. And a lot of times, God uses suffering and disability and all these other things to carve out the 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 false joys that we think we can have and and before we went to the break uh shelly was talking about how she was medicating with food so many of us have been in that snare and there are lots there's no short of medication shortage of medications out there whether it's food whether it's sex whether it's alcohol drugs whatever we're we're going to find something to fill that hole Uh, to ease that pain, to numb us so that we don't have to ache anymore. It is counterintuitive to do what we're talking about today. But there comes to that, we we come to that place where we finally just fall on our knees and recognize that all of our efforts have been in vain. And we start seeing the promises and the provision of God in ways that we never saw before. And this is where this couple is today. So, uh, Shelley, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing about that. A lot of people feel a mm-hmm. lot of shame about things, whether it's uh, whatever. It doesn't matter what the comfort is. Um, they don't want to. They want to just kind of deal with it in isolation. And you come along and say, "You know what? Here's what I did. 
here's what I'm doing, here's where I'm going, and you can go there too. And that's that's incredibly inspiring to other people to let them know that they don't have to figure this out by themselves. There are other people that are walking down this journey who'd be glad to give them a hand to 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 mm. do that, and that's what you're doing. If people want to find out more about what you're trying to do and engage with you on this, what is, what is the best way for that? Well, one of the best ways is um, we have a Facebook group um, that we started that birthed from my journey. It's called Caring for Me Too, uh, because that's one of the biggest things that I think happens is a lot of times we buy into the thought that to care for us is a selfish thing. And what I learned is it's a necessary thing. It wasn't a luxury for me. And so caring for me too is kind of birthed from that. So that's one way that people can reach me. I'm also a health coach. Uh, basically, again, just paying it forward from the journey that I was on. And so um, I have a website that you can reach me on. Well, it's actually my Facebook page, Shelly Snitko. Um, and you can kind of see what we're up to there as well. Um, and so spell, yeah. spell that Go out ahead. for folks. Yeah, our last name is tricky, but it is very phonetic. It's S N is in Nancy, I T K O, and then my first name is Shelley S H E L L Y. Well, I, from one person with a tricky last name to another, <laughs> but I have that too. Uh, Chris, let go. me let me switch over to you a little bit. You you're an engineer by trade, correct. is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Your engineering mind which I, I always admire. I, I do not have one. Um, but your engineering mind must have approached this thing from a much different perspective. Is that a fair statement? Well, actually, it's kind of interesting because Shelley's uh, degree, and she worked for it for quite a while before until after AJ got sick, was is she's an occupational therapist, and I'm an engineer. So the combination of those two traits and skills really helped us troubleshoot a lot of things for our son uh, to try to figure out what's the best things to rig things up for Baptist for and physical needs and all those kind of things. So it really, that's a, that's a, that was a God thing right there that he put two people mm-hmm. together with two different skills that are really needed to help our son the most. That was awesome. Well, indeed, because with Gracie and me, yeah. I'm a pianist and she's a singer. So, None of those skills really apply towards no, no, I mean, yeah, we could we could sing and play through the through the tears, but it's um yeah. uh you you guys had a very very strong complementary set of skills to deal with this. And 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 that yeah. again goes back to God's provision in this. I mean, you know, none of that caught God by surprise. And and, 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 and as you and guys I'm have I was just going to say is that one thing that was interesting with the transformation that Shelly went through with getting her health back and stuff is um, for all, for a long time, all she was just felt like it was just AJ's caregiver to AJ's caregiver. And then once she she found the program to try to, to, to lose the weight and she was successful at that, and, and now she's trying to help other people. It's like I've got my wife that I knew earlier on. I've got my wife back. And, it, mm. and it, it's such a beautiful thing because I see her shining again. I see her enthusiasm. She loves helping other people. And, and so it, 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 it was just great to see. So for years, she was you know, almost depressed in a way because all she knew was how to try to take her on. But now she can 
opens it up because you know, it's, it's it, so much more healthy emotionally and physically. So it's really interesting, though, that you were in a career as an occupational therapist, Shelley. That that you mm-hmm. wanted, you professionally wanted to help people. Then you were taken down this what looked like a big diversion from your goals, mm-hmm. and you ended up now in a situation where you're even more equipped better focused to help people in a, in a even more substantial way than you ever dreamed. And uh, I think, I just think that's astonishing to watch how that works out. But it, I t- somebody asked me the other day, said, would you do it all again? And mm-hmm. I said, well, I, I have enough problems with reality. I'm not going to take on the hypothetical. And <laughs> that said, I like the way I write now. I like the way I speak. I like the way I play the piano. I just hate how I got here. And yeah. does that does that resonate with you two at all? Oh, 100%. Like, nobody would choose this, and I certainly wouldn't wish it. But I, I tell everybody, even in our marriage struggle, if that's what it took to get us from point A to point B to, to have that foundation that we currently have, um, I would do it all over again. And it's the same thing with AJ. God doesn't, none of our suffering, none of it is purposeless. And none of it is for naught. And if this is, you know, obviously this is the path that's been allowed. I believe in a sovereign God who allowed it. So would I walk through it all again to get to this place? Oh, yeah, I like this person. Um, This person isn't perfect. This person has embraced her imperfection. But this person also, um, this is what God's using. This is what God's using to bring glory and honor to him. And for that, I have no regrets. I, yeah. I get that. And that is, that is beautifully said. And, and I, I heard a great quote from a friend of mine a long time ago, and he said he was a carpenter and he doesn't even waste the sawdust. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I just kind of, that just stuck with me. And that, and another thing he used to say was, um, God is the greatest junk collector in the universe, you know, and he just, he collects things that we think are junk and discarded or whatever. And he makes something beautiful. I like the old Bill Gaither tune, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful in my life. And this is what's it, it's so apparent in the two of you all. What do you say? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. It's all right. It's, mm-hmm. it, 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 you, you, you're tough. You can handle it. What are some of the changes you, you've seen in Chris? Uh, well, one, the leader that he has become. I mean, he's a godly man. Uh, he has really stepped up to the plate. Uh, you know, um, I just see him. You know, I talk about moving from surviving to thriving. But what I see is the same thing in him that he is thriving in so many ways and he is um, loving us through this. And, you know, he didn't waver in all of my struggles and all of my emotions. He's always just kind of risen to that, never judged me for it, always supported me. Um, yeah. I, I just have seen him become much more of a godly man an empathetic godly man. That, that's that's a, a wonderful tribute um, for you guys because you know I know a taste of what it's like to go through these painful places and as a couple 
it it takes you know marriage is hard enough you you throw a relentless disability in there and it becomes excruciating but excruciating is the the latin word that was invented to describe the pain of the cross they had to invent a word the pain was so bad that they had to invent a word of it and yet this is what christ asked us to do is take up our cross and follow him and it is painful to for these things to happen and yet I have found great comfort and solace and strength and endurance and fortitude. And those are things that don't sell real well. Uh, everybody wants to hear escape and feel better. <laughs> but um, we, we veteran caregivers know that God's strength and endurance for us, his mercies are new every morning. We know that ample time to make every kind of mistake you can. And uh, when, you're the, when you're the wily coyote of caregivers like I am, <laughs> You know, you've had enough <laughs> anvils dropped on your head. So, um, yeah. what's Chris? What's next for you? And then we we only got well, about think, a minute to the break here. But what's next for you? Well, I think it's interesting because both Shelley and I, uh, over these last the last year or two, have been really learning each other's strengths, and we're we're learning how to tap into each one of those to help. Um, if you never stop, if you stop learning, then you just are dying. So we're learning to get your other strengths, and I've come alongside her and started coaching others as well. And we're learning a brand new aspect of how do we do that together. And we're, we're, we're bouncing things off each other, and we're really learning even more and more about each other as we go into the uh, coaching others in, that's, in this that's business. That's wonderful. That yeah. is wonderful. One more time, very quickly, on how do people can reach you. Shelly? Yeah. Shelly Snickle, look me up on Facebook or my Caring For Me Too page. Well, it's been a wonderful conversation with you, too, and I thank you very much. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.